Welcome to the Wordy Girl Entertainment Podcast. I am your writer-in-chief, Rosalind Jackson. I am a lover of words, and that love led me to a passion for writing. And what's the next best thing to writing? Talking about writing. So kick back and join me for mind-blowing chats about writing, covering everything from screenplays to novels to poetry, from nonfiction books to songwriting, and much more. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I have an exciting interview for you guys today. It's with screenwriter, television screenwriter, Kelly Edwards, and she is a former development executive turned screenwriter for television. So um, that's very rare um, to go from an executive to a screenwriter. Um And I'm so excited for you guys to hear all about that, but we'll talk about that in a moment. So I wanted to chat with you guys first about a couple of things that I am up to. Um, One is getting back on track with this podcast. (laughs) I know I always say I'm, I'm falling off and I do, and I'm trying to get better and be consistent at that. And it's, it's, um, it's a struggle and I know My fellow writers out there know what I'm talking about, (laughs) but some of you guys are on top of your game. You, you meet your deadlines, you crank out the work every day, and that is a beautiful thing. And I'm trying to get there and I need you guys to help me get there. And it's just got to do it. Got to do it. Got to quit procrastinating. And, um, so I wanted to tell you guys about these script consulting services that I have coming up. Um, They are going to be small classes um, on Zoom. It'll be like either a workshop setting or one-on-one. You have the option of one-on-one classes. Um, So it'll be things like what I'm calling pick my brain workshop, question and answer. And it'll be a small gathering of, of us on Zoom where you can just get to pick my brain. Everybody can throw their questions out there and I'll answer them and give you a little insight of what's going on in the business and how you can get in and work your way around and just basically get your foot in the door. So it'll be a workshop like that. Another one is called Rosalind Fix My Logline Workshop. And um, again, we'll, we'll work on everybody's uh, logline. Um, you'll submit the log line ahead of time. And then, um, you can also submit questions ahead of time and you can submit questions during, during the, um, workshop, but basically we'll, we'll work on everyone's log line there in the class and find ways to make it stronger so that you can get Hollywood's attention and when, you know, make them want to buy your script. (laughs) We hope fingers crossed. Uh, let's see, what else will I be having? Um, another one will be a workshop for working on a pitch deck. And I'll go through the steps of what's needed in a, in a um, pitch deck. Um, and I'll give you step-by-step instructions on how to build a, a pitch deck that looks amazing, grabs the attention of, you know, executives and producers and other writers. Um, so that will be another workshop. 
Another consultation will be the one-on-one script development where we will go over your script. You'll send it to me um, ahead of time and I'll read it over and we'll go over it on the, um, on the call and we can discuss, and we can discuss things like log lines, structure, dialogue, action lines, character development, everything. Um, and that's your time again to pick my brain, but it's just you and I, so you get a lot more time and you get, um, my verbal notes about your, uh, project. And another, uh, course, well, it's not actually a course. This is um, a service that I will provide, which is uh, creating a deck for you. Um, you'll give me the um, the bones of your of your script or the bones of your um, information that goes in your deck, such as your log line and synopsis and um, your character descriptions, your season arcs, things like that. And then I will work on the visuals for it and make it really eye-catching and um, great to look at and things like that. So, um, but if you want to go further with me also creating things like, you know, your logline, your synopsis, um, that's a different, um, that's a different stage. So that that's more detailed and that one would, will cost more money. So these are ranging anywhere from the, um, the courses with other people. Those are one ranging in the $100 area and the one-on-ones are around 500. Um, so I'll have those coming up. I'm working on putting them together now. And so they should be finished within the next week or so and, and, uh, ready for purchase. Um, but I have some existing, um, script consultation services available on my website. Uh, you can check those out at wordygirlent.com. So if you go on there and look under the tab, uh, script consulting, you'll see what I offer there. Um, and that's ready to go right now. And for those who didn't know, I have a poetry book. Uh, it's called Musings of a Wordy Girl. And you can find it on Amazon.com. And just type in Musings of a Wordy Girl. It should pop up. Or you can type in my name, Rosalind Jackson. And uh, it should come up for you. Um, yes, yeah, a little collection of haiku poems that I wrote. Um, and it's a couple of regular poems in there, but... Majority of the poems are haiku, which happens to be my favorite form of poetry. Um, so yeah, if you can uh, check that out, if you love poetry, um, what else? Uh, and it will make a great Christmas gift. So, you know, you can get that for your loved ones. <laughs> Let's see what else is going on. Um, just watching television, catching up on things I missed, or also um, watching all the new shows that have been out for a while, um, for the last few weeks or so. One show that I finished was You on Netflix. That was really good. Um, the ending really pissed me off in a good way. Um, I won't say what it was. I won't do any spoilers, but... Um, I was just pissed off <laughs> with the people at the end. I'm just like, oh my God, <sighs> they get on my nerves, but I love the show. Uh, let's see, what else am I watching? 
um, of course, are kind of people, uh, but we'll get into that later. Um, what else am I watching? Um, oh, make sure you guys are watching Games People Play. Um, yes, I am hyping up our own show. <laughs> I am a co-producer on Games People Play, and you know I might be a little biased, but I like the show. It's great. It's juicy this um, this season, and they got a lot of craziness going on. Lots of juicy drama. You know, so tune in to Games People Play. It comes on Tuesday nights on BET 10 slash 9 Central. So that's 10 Eastern, 9 Central. Um, and also that, so that would also be 10 o'clock West Coast. So get in there. Check your, check your listings, okay, because don't have me giving you the wrong information. But uh, 10, 9 Central. Okay, and you go from there. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else do I have going on? Um, of course, working on my writing. Um, Got to get things finished before the end of the year. Um, so I have a couple of um, stories that I've been working on, and I just need to polish them and finish them off um, so I can get my stuff out there and... and um, I can do like Kelly Edwards, be go from executive to a writer. So that's exactly what I'm planning to do. So that's why I connected with her story so much. Because um, I'm like, ooh, I want to do the same thing you did. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that's about it for me. Um, oh, and um, also speaking of merchandise, I also sell T-shirts and mugs and things like that. My T-shirts feature my poetry, my haiku poems. Um, so if you go on um, on my website, you can see the t-shirts that I have and the mugs have the poetry on there too. Um, I have some uh, decorative pillows that have photography on them. I took the photography, I took the pictures and turned the pictures into watercolor images, like digital watercolor images. So um, like my favorite one I have on there is a picture of the downtown, the Los Angeles downtown cityscape. Um, like I love a cityscape. So I turned that into a decorative pillow. So it looks so cute. And um, on the back of it is uh, just script writing. Um, not like a, not like a screenplay, but cursive writing, I'll say. Um, so yeah, go on there and check out my merchandise, you know, Black Friday is coming up. Get your get your get your shop on. Um, or if you want to wait until Cyber Monday, you could do that too. I don't care when you do it. Just you know, if you want to shop, you just shop, and you know, I'm not gonna be mad at you, of course. <laughs> Cha-ching! Nah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's all that's going on with me. So I hope you guys um, enjoy this interview with Kelly Edwards. Like I said, she is a former development executive. She worked at places like um, NBC, um, USA, Bravo, Telemundo, Sci-Fi. She's been with Fox, UPN. She's been like every company you can think of, she's been there. <laughs> so, um, and she also ran um, a, a diversity program that helped you know, people of color make it, um, into key positions in the business. Um, 
So that's that we really need that. Okay. Do we not? <laughs> so yeah, so she is amazing. And um, she also wrote a book and it's called the executive chair. And she gives advice to people who want to make it as television writers. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that in detail. And, uh, she also has a first look deal with HBO under her company, which is called Edwardian, Edwardian pictures. So she is doing her thing. So yeah, let's get into the interview. So welcome to the Wordy Girl Entertainment Podcast. Today we are speaking with Kelly Edwards. Welcome to the Wordy Girl Entertainment Podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for being on here. So let's just uh, jump right in and talk about your background as a television film development executive and what, uh, and what development is. Sure. Well, I started in this business... Uh, quite a while ago, um, over 30 years ago, and I came through the assistant ranks like most people do and found myself on the feature side um, primarily and then moved over to television as when I was already an executive. So I had a little bit of, of feature film executive uh, work under my belt and then moved over as a, um, a manager of comedy development for Fox and that was at a time when Fox was going from four to seven nights a week. So it was in its very early years there. And then after working there for about five or six years, I moved over to head up comedy development for UPN. And um, again, that was a, a fledgling network at the time. And of course, now it's the CW because it merged with the WB. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I, I had quite a few years as an executive uh, to, to launch my career off of, I rolled into a producing deal under the Paramount Studios banner. And I partnered up with a, with a, a guy named Jonathan Axelrod and together we were out there selling and it was a really vi- uh, vital part of my, um, I'm going to say the broadening out of my, um, of my resume because I had never sold before. I'd always been on the buying side and never had 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 the chance to really get in the trenches with writers and it was something that I'd always wanted to do was to really get you know kind of dirty with the the material Mm -hmm. and work on the project from the ground up Mm -hmm. you know when you're a a development executive on the buying side there's a little bit of a separation between you and the writer you're not there day to day you're not working on the pitch you're listening to the pitch and working on the show once it goes into development but there was that um, I always really wanted to have a closer connection to the material and it always looked like fun. Mm-hmm. I realized once I got onto that side, that it's a lot of work. It's not always fun and games. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pressure to sell, mm-hmm. but um, I worked with Jonathan for about six years and we had a show on the air on UPN. We sold a lot of uh, projects that didn't move forward. And then um Around 2007, uh, Jonathan decided to go work um, more in politics, and we shuttered our company, and I was looking around for the next thing to do, and I realized that I really wanted to um, take a break. You know, mm-hmm. the, the selling side is so exhausting, and after our last year of selling, when we didn't get anything on the air, yeah. 
when I went home, I guess it was maybe in that January when, you know, when all the, the scripts get picked up or don't get picked up, uh, I went home and, and sat on my sofa for about a month, literally so, so, so exhausted oh, wow. because it just takes everything out of you. Mm-hmm. You're always on the go. You know, you're always, you're always moving forward. And unlike now where, you know, people sell on Zoom and you can sell from in your pajamas, uh, then you were you were going physically going to every network you were you know you were in the office and so it was um, you know sort of taking your wares from you know ABC to NBC to it was just um, it's um, it can it can it's a grind mm-hmm. so I I decided that I needed a, a job but I didn't want to do what I had done before I wanted to 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 do something brand new and I literally had a a an Oprah moment I call it. I was sitting in my office and we were boxing up everything in the office. This was a Monday. And I said to no one in particular, and I don't even know why I said it out loud because it's not like I talk to myself out loud all the time. (laughs) Um, I said, I don't know where I'm going, but I know that I want to take all of the skills that I've accumulated in the past and I want to use them in a new way. Okay. That Tuesday, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who works in NBC, and he said, "Hey, do you want to you want to interview for this job? It's mm-hmm. in diversity." And by by then, it was you know I wasn't really all that familiar with diversity efforts. It wasn't like it was you know tremendously on my radar. They had only started about five, uh, six, six, seven years before, mm-hmm. um, and most of the people who had worked in diversity before my generation were people who came out of HR and news, things like that. So it wasn't really, I don't, didn't really consider it on the creative side. Mm-hmm. So I said, sure, I'll, I'll interview. So I go in and interview that Thursday at 10 AM and, uh, and by 1145, I had a job. <laughs> so <Wow>. it was <laughs> awesome. It was awesome. And, uh, and so I was there for about six years and oversaw the diversity efforts for NBC Universal's television groups, which there were 20 of them. You wouldn't think that there would be 20, but there were 20, 20 different entities. And that included, they called the, they called some of their um, uh, digital platforms networks as well. Okay. So we had Swirl and Fandango and Daily Candy, and those were considered networks, but then we also had Sci-Fi, Telemundo, mm-hmm. NBC, you know, all of the USA, all of those actual networks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then after about six, seven years, they were, there was a big takeover. Comcast took over the, the company from GE and I went to work for HBO and built their diversity programs from the ground up. And, uh, and that was a writer's program, the director's program there. Uh, we had a cinematographer's program. We have a lot of programs that, that were um, generated in order to bolster diversity Mm-hmm. Uh, behind the camera. And and then I just rolled out of there about a year ago, just over a year ago, into a writing deal. So I have a first look deal with HBO. And then this past May, I got staffed on a show. So my show, the show that I'm on is called Our Kind of People. Yes. And it's Tuesday nights at nine on Fox. <laughs> so hopefully yes. you see it. Yes, and, and I'm excited and the- to talk about that. Um, good, good, good. Go ahead. <laughs> and then I was going to say, at the same time that I rolled out of HBO last year, I also got a, a deal to to write a book, and mm-hmm. the book just came out last week. Mm-hmm. Oh, congratulations on the book, by the way. Thank you. 
<laughs> it's called the executive chair in case anybody wants to look it up. And what's funny is that originally when you put, put in executive chair on mm-hmm. Amazon, uh-huh. um, it, there would be a lot of office chairs would come up. And so I that's exactly what happened when I looked. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait yeah. a minute, I don't want to buy any chairs. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. I did look the title was not, the title was not my choice. It was the, <laughs> um, the publisher's choice. And I, I kept thinking, well, let's put the, if you're going to have a chair, let's put the chair on the book. And they're like, no, we think your, your photo's better. So um, there were quite a few little battles about, you know, mm-hmm. what it looked like. I was not interested in having my face to be the face of this book, <laughs> but they're like, no, 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 you look so warm and inviting. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's aggravating, but <laughs> I'm glad the book's out there. It was a labor of love. It was you know, a full year in the making. And hopefully it's, uh, it delivers some good information for people who want to get into the business. Yeah. Not, and I did purchase it, but it's not, it didn't arrive here on time before the interview. <laughs> uh, no problem. I have all the secrets inside. I can tell you right. anything you want to know. <laughs> so tell us like what actually development is for people who don't know. Okay. So in order for anything to get to the finish line, a, a a piece of material that you've seen on television or film, uh, every project goes through the development phase, which means it goes from idea uh, to full-on piece of content. Um, and that that is comprised of a number of different components. You know, it's the coming up with the idea, it's pitching the idea, it's once you've gotten the deal, it's working on that project to make the script as be- the best it can be with a either producer or producer studio, producer studio network. So there's a, a process by which, you know, all of the rough edges are smoothed out. All of the character dynamics are worked out. We, we look at, is there a show here that can go for multiple seasons? Um, or is it maybe a film idea instead? But it goes through this whole process of working the material and making it the best it can possibly be. So that's development. And now people also call it sometimes development hell, <laughs> which just means that it can go on for forever. It can right. be endless amounts of notes. Right. There can be disagreements about the project. Mm-hmm. The project can fall apart. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the, the goal is to get whatever this idea is through the gauntlet mm-hmm. and on the other side, a much better piece of material that someone wants to program. Right. Yeah. The the development hell part of it, nobody likes, whether it's the writer, the producers or anybody like that. I, I tend to find that it seems like to me, the, the writers hate it the most because they're, they're the ones that's trying to, you know, get their project on, on the air. They want it to be seen. Sure. And um, I also, it feels like sometimes they hate the notes part of development hell where you're like, sure. Whoa back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with notes. That's, that's been like my experience with they. Yeah. I think, I think it's development. Hell is bad for everybody. I think when you're thinking about the producer, who's, who's putting effort into it and the producer doesn't get paid until something gets sold. So development hell for a producer is, is also hell. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to make the best project possible Mm -hmm. and no one wants it to stall, but sometimes there are misunderstandings about what the project is or maybe there's a piece of talent who wants to that you're trying to put you know into the project to make it a little bit better Mm -hmm. um and so that 
it's just there are so many different factors that go into why something will not move forward mm-hmm. with this the kind of um, pace that everybody wants. And then on the network side too, I say this in the book and pretty early on in the book, you know, development executives get a bad rap because, you know, they're, they're known for gumming up the works, but that's (laughs) not the goal. And, and a good development executive can actually see past and, and shepherd a project through some of those stumbling blocks Mm -hmm. and, and really be an advocate for, for projects. So I think if you think back to, you know, a lot of the great pieces of work that, that have come out, sometimes there is somebody on the inside who are pulling the strings and who are advocating in the room and are, who are pushing for mm-hmm. a piece of material to go forward. So you just never know. You never know who's got the projects back and who's who really sees it through. Um, there's, a, there's, there's so many stories out there about people who've championed mm-hmm. projects. And you just don't see them and you don't hear about them. It's not like people are out there talking about that they're not interviewing a lot of executives they're interviewing the the writers and the writers who win emmys and the writers almost never say thank you to the to the network executives every now and again they do i think at hbo they did they do quite a bit but but if you have you remember that hbo is also the producer and the there's a studio and the network Mm -hmm. but for the most part people when they are getting those or giving those accolades they're mentioning the people who have been in the trenches with them they don't mention the executives who may have helped them as, along the way as well. So, yeah, I'm just standing. I'm standing up for the executive right now. Like, <laughs> exactly. come on, they're not all bad. <laughs> sometimes we're stupid. Sometimes we're not. But um, yeah, but we just never the, know. We do get the bad uh, rap sometimes. Correct. <laughs> like, oh, they're Correct. unwarranted. Yeah, and like, sometimes very warranted. Sometimes, mm-hmm. true. Sometimes you get people who are just don't really understand mm-hmm. the what the goal is. And I think sometimes it, it does come down to has the writer truly articulated well, mm-hmm. what the, what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes you got to really make sure that you're on the same page. Right. Right. And being that um, you do have the development executive background, but you're also a writer. Um, do you think being a writer makes you a better um, development uh, person or producer? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I think uh, because I started out, when I said that I started out in some assistant roles, mm-hmm. I started out working for, there were a couple of jobs that I had before this job, but the the one that was really impactful was I worked for a couple of executive producers who were in development for a few yeah. years and they got things on the air. So they had a show on CBS They got a pilot at NBC. And then we worked with some amazing pieces of talent. Mm -hmm. And so I got to see the whole process and then see the production part of it. So I understood when we were getting a note, what the note meant for the writer's room, what was doable, what wasn't doable, were we being pushed off track, were, you know, what they fought for. So there was a lot of things that I got to see, not only from being a part of that writing process and typing all those scripts. Mm-hmm. And all of that, but also being in production because then you can see it, you know, where the rubber hits the road. And, you know, are you being asked to do a page one rewrite overnight, mm-hmm. which is virtually impossible? And is it giving you a better product or is it not giving you a better product? Right. So when I came to being an executive, I had a little bit more information than I think other people who haven't been through production and development on the writer's side. 
that they probably didn't have. And I do, I do say, I think every executive should write a script. Mm-hmm. They should understand the, the process. They should understand what production is like. It just makes you a better, more well-rounded, and I think kinder mm. executive. And I think ha- because I had that experience and knew what it took to build a, a pitch, mm-hmm. I do feel as though I was maybe a little kinder in the room than some of my counterparts who didn't understand that process. You know, it takes a lot of work just to take in the worst pitch. Mm-hmm. It's it's hours and hours and hours. And so, and it's it's people's livelihoods on, on the line. It's the it's the difference between them maybe being able to stay in their home or have their health insurance. And so there's a lot of anxiety that goes on with, you know, just internally before you're sitting down to pitch because every sale is a very valuable commodity. Absolutely. And it's just harder and harder these days to sell something, I think, I think for a variety of reasons. But um, yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not an easy process for sure. <laughs> so since you have the writing and producing deal through HBO, um, like tell us how that all works for people who are not familiar of how that all is set up. Sure. Well, I have a first look deal, which is different from, a, from an overall deal. So if somebody who has an overall deal has uh, gets a lot of money to so they can build a staff, they can develop multiple projects, they can you know uh, option IP. It's a usually a multi-year deal with just a lot of infrastructure attached to it. Mm-hmm. I have what's called a first look deal, which means I have the good news is I have the 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 ability to take a project to HBO or HBO Max, and if they like it, then we go into development and you know. And yay. But if they if they pass on it because it's probably not for them or for whatever reason, then I because it's a first look, I can then take it someplace else. Mm-hmm. So that's the, I get flexibility, whereas an overall deal probably doesn't get, get the same kind of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Usually an overall deal is like, well, if they don't like it, then, you know, too bad. But <laughs> I also have the flexibility on my um, it's just for TV. It's not for features. So if I want to pitch a feature. I can go wherever I want. I can go straight to HBO Max if I'd like to, or I can go someplace else. Mm-hmm. So that's that gives me flexibility. It's mm-hmm. not nearly as much money. Mm-hmm. It's it's really just a, a fraction, um, but it's also it's a wonderful way to start your your writing career when you've been an executive right. for thirty years. Right. You know? <laughs> I'm not sneezing at that at all. It's really great. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about your book. So. What made you want to go from being an executive to being um, a writer on a TV show? Well, I think the, the, the plan had been when I was way back when starting my career, I wanted to be a writer then. Mm. But the world wasn't really in the same place that it is now. Mm-hmm. So I was a young uh, wannabe mm-hmm. um, working as a writer's assistant. Mm-hmm. And I, when I looked around the industry at the time, I wasn't seeing a lot of brown female faces in any writer's room. Mm-hmm. And the writer's room that I was working with, I was the assistant to the executive producer. I was not in the room. And I want to say the entire writing staff was white men. And, it, and what was interesting is that the show itself was about two Latino men. So oh. you kind of go, that's, it, you know, that wouldn't ever fly today. But, um, but it was sort of par for the course then. And I looked around and I thought, well, 
if I can't get in a writer's room and I can't even get in the writer's room of the of folks that, you know, I'm working for where I'm pitching jokes and getting jokes in, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm kind of doomed, you know, my, my, my prospects are looking pretty weak at the point at that point. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I loved working with material and I had been the whole time that I'd been in Hollywood. I'd been also, I had a second job, which mm-hmm. was as a reader. And I read for new line cinema. I read for um, Michael Nesmith had a company. I want to say it was called Pacific something or another. Anyway, there was, there were a couple of companies that I was working for freelance because I needed the extra income. And I knew that I gave great uh, coverage and great notes Mm-hmm. And I took some classes at UCLA and I was honing my skills as how do you give, you know, really good, insightful coverage. And I was reading as much as I could and I was watching as many movies and TV shows as I possibly could. So I was really studying that. And, um, and so I realized that the other, the other way that I can be a part of this system mm-hmm. is to take all of that and, uh, and become a, uh, go on the executive side. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it was, and it's all part of the same ecosystem. It's all part of the same organism, right? So whether you're giving notes or you're getting notes, mm-hmm. you're writing the script or you're producing the script, you are still a creative person right. and every part of this is valuable. So mm-hmm. I honed my writing skills through development. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, the entire time I was taking writing classes. Mm-hmm. So I took, I took a class at, um, Stanford online, of course, uh, went at UCLA, a couple at UCLA. Uh, I took a groundlings class. I took one that was, a, there's, a, um, this guy named Bill Idelson, uh, um, taught mm-hmm. years ago. And so I was always honing my skills mm-hmm. because I wanted to be better for other people. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't realize that I was also still harboring this other desire. It really, it, it really went dormant for a while in terms of my, my psyche. I wasn't actively pursuing a writing career. Mm -hmm. I was writing for pleasure. I was writing for myself. So I wrote a bunch of short stories that I was posting on Facebook and people really loved. Mm -hmm. It was about the, this was back in 2015. I had given up my car because I could not stand driving in Los Angeles one more minute. And I was white knuckling it to HBO and back in my commute was an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. just in a car each way. And I said, okay, I'm giving this up because I, my, I'm at my wit's end. Mm-hmm. And that year that I wrote about giving up my car was a year I was posting all of these stories on Facebook mm-hmm. and people were responding. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I didn't really realize that I had something valuable to say. You know, when I was writing before, when I was really young and I was in my 20s, I was an idiot. What the things that I wrote then, they were terrible. They were very... <laughs> you know, gimmicky and high concept. And, you know, I loved screwball comedies. So they were screwball comedies and they weren't really of me and my soul and who I was as a person. Mm -hmm. They were outside of that. And I gave it up willingly at that time because I thought, well, I didn't see that there were, I didn't understand the process. Mm -hmm. And then I think I had to go on this journey of, of really dissecting and understanding the process so that I could teach other people Mm. until until I got to a point where I knew how to do it for myself. So I can see a, a, a transition in my writing. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a lot of short stories uh, for myself. And then I started to do some short pieces. And then the thing that really busted this whole Megillah open was um, I 
uh, filed for divorce in 2015. And in 2016, I had a year of yes. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of crazy stuff. (laughs) And, uh, and one of the things that I did, and this might've been actually in the top of 2017, I'm not quite sure, but um, my year of yes turned into five years of yes. But (laughs) one of the things that I did was I did, I did an ayahuasca trip and, and then a couple of weeks later ended up dreaming an entire screenplay start to finish casting and everything. Mm -hmm. And I transcribed it. And a friend of mine said, Oh, this is a TV show. And I, I reworked it and sent it to Sundance and got into Sundance and got into a MFA program at the same time. So Mm -hmm. I had this, I don't know, it was just sort of following my bliss at that point So that when it came time for me to make a decision about staying on for another year or a couple of years and re-upping in a new contract at HBO, I I was incredibly clear about it. I knew that I had not been living my truth Mm -hmm. and I knew that I needed to make a change. Mm -hmm. And so far, so far so good. And I, I also feel like if I, if let's just say everything blew up tomorrow, Mm-hmm. suddenly everything was, you know, it was terrible. And I had to go get a regular nine to five job. This last year would have been worth it. Would have been worth everything. Mm-hmm. It would have been worth just jumping off the bridge and into the abyss has been the most amazing, phenomenal, life changing, mm-hmm. joyous time of my life. Oh, wow. So I feel like I'm good. Like <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the ride goes longer than this, but I mean, I really do feel like I've been blessed this last year to mm-hmm. just write every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I'm a little fanatical about it because <laughs> I don't feel like there are enough hours in the day. Right. I feel like they, I just want to stay up for 25 hours a day <laughs> and just talk to these characters who are talking to me in my head, but mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I I need some of that to rub off on me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm always procrastinating with my writing and stuff. So um, I need to get on that. <laughs> right. Because right. I'm, on, I'm on the development side, but I'm I more so um, want to be on the writing side also. So we have right. that in common. So um, but give us an overview of your book and 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 tell us what people can expect to take away from it. Sure. Well, the book is called The Executive Chair, A Writer's Guide to TV Series Development. And the reason that I wrote this particular book is that I had had 30 plus years of sitting in the executive chair Mm -hmm. and looking at the process and thinking to myself, it doesn't have to be this hard for everybody. Mm -hmm. Why are we not telling everyone just some of the little tricks and keys and you know, interesting stuff that that we know that we, as executives, um, it's almost like it's this this open secret, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not by design. I don't think anybody genuinely wants to, you know, not tell people how to make a better pitch. But I think we take it for granted, mm-hmm. and the people who come in the door who are a little bit more polished mm-hmm. automatically get to the head of the class. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm running these, all these programs and I'm looking at the, the gatekeepers and, you know, who's, who's allowed to tell stories and who's not allowed to tell stories. And of course I'm a woman of color and I look at, at all of the, the inequities and I think, well, we need, we need young people, regardless of 
race, creed, color, whatever. We need people into the tent to, to make our stories better. We, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing, you know, the, the white guy's hero. I'm just like, I, I'm bored of it. I won't watch right. those shows anymore. I won't watch those movies anymore. I've mm-hmm. seen it. There's nothing new that you can tell me All right. that I don't know. But what I haven't seen are a thousand other stories that I feel like they, we should be telling. So mm-hmm. how do we get those people in? Well, we make it, we make, we make the information um, accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. So that's the goal of this book is just to, to tell everybody, Hey, mm-hmm. here's some shortcuts. And I won't even say shortcuts cause it's not really shortcuts. They're more like, here's information about how we work inside Hollywood that you need to know that's going to help you navigate the system mm-hmm. about 30 to 40 to 50% better than right. you do today. And some of the stuff might be, I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to say rudimentary cause I don't think anything's rudimentary, but I think some of the stuff you might think, you know, or you might have uh, discerned in some sort of way, but you don't necessarily, no one's really s- confirmed it for you. Right. So, so there are chapters in there like laying the groundwork, which is, hey, here's how the business works. And this is how we used to look at content. And here's how we look at it now. And this is how executives program and it's changing. So, you know, so get on, you know, it's going to be a wild ride until we figure out the streamers. Mm-hmm. So this is what we're, t- we're talking about today. Right. And then it, uh, and then it, it also talks about, um, you know, what kind of material you need in order to come out strong. Um, mm-hmm. How many kinds of material, you know, what kind of material do you need in order to make it? Um, I have a whole ses- section on let's do lunch and why we do lunch and what the, the culture of the town is. And really the, the town is like, uh, it's like, uh, it's like Mayberry RFD. Everybody knows each other. I mean, we're only two degrees of separation you know you (laughs) go to lunch with people and suddenly you're best friends so there's a there's a reason and a protocol for that and and so I talk a little bit about that to to maybe help people a little bit more Mm -hmm. I talk about pitching I talk about getting notes I talk about not uh taking your notes not taking yourself too seriously and listening openly with about notes you Mm -hmm. don't have to take all the notes but you should learn how to take them graciously so that you can either decide that you're going to take them or not, but nobody wants to work with a person who's combative. Right. So how do you, how do you take yourself out of that situation? How do you not take it personally? Yeah. Um, or a tantrum talk, about it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which I've seen and I, do. <laughs> and it's hard. It's hard to take notes because you're personally invested in a project, mm-hmm. but um, sometimes you can divorce yourself. You can take them, listen to them, get them on paper, you know, mm-hmm. mitigate some of those, um, those high tension moments mm-hmm. and then come back to them once you've been able to, to cool off a little bit mm-hmm. and then, you know, decide and, and listen to the note under the note, which is sometimes I always say, I don't, I don't, I don't give notes anymore. I ask questions because usually it's because the intent of the writer has not been fully realized. Right. So it doesn't, for me to say, you should do something, you should do X, this is not working. It's mm-hmm. usually not about me. It's about something's not clear. Right. So how do I help you get your idea more fully realized on the page so that I don't have that question? Mm-hmm. Um, what do we need to do in order to work together to make sure that what your theme is, is coming through, what your character's mm-hmm. goal is, is coming through. So, mm-hmm. um, so I've actually changed, I would say, since I was a junior executive giving terrible notes when I was you know, young and thought I knew everything. <laughs> to now where I feel like 
I get my best work out of people when I am asking them questions and then trying to figure out, okay, if that's your intent, mm-hmm. then let's figure out how to realize that intent. Mm-hmm. And then I've got chapters on the pilot script and what kind of elements you might want to have in your pilot script, you know, how to create your ensemble, how to give your hero a really great entrance, how to, you know, have a really great opening scene, mm-hmm. um, how to pitch with this whole thing on pitching. So hopefully, and then there's a, there's also a, a, a piece about getting your first job in Hollywood and, mm-hmm. uh, and debunking some of those myths about, mm-hmm. about getting in. Um, and then giving some ideas about, you know, here's some places to look. Mm-hmm. So it's a little of all of that, I think. And, um, a little bit of, you know, uh, here's how the executives think. And then here's how to, you know, if your pitch is going South, here's how to rescue it. Mm. Uh, here's how to warm up a, a cold room. And then, and then it, it really does get into, here's some of the elements that you might need in order to come out strong. If you're looking for writers, uh, of your of career as a writer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think those are amazing things that people really need to, that, that they need to understand because a lot of writers, when they're especially new coming in, they don't know what to expect. They, um, you know, I've met a lot of writers that are, um, they're usually very afraid of quote unquote Hollywood. And they always feel like, you know, their material is going to get stolen or so they, right. that, that, creates a lot of, um, you know, distrust in studios and networks and executives and things like that. So sure. I, th- I think your book would be really great for them to read and, and understand somebody like you who does know how to give kind notes and, and <laughs> is able to guide them, you know, in a way right. not to give a note and say, oh, that doesn't work. And you're like, well, why? And and you don't get an answer as to why it doesn't work. So that's a terrible. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And let me just, let me speak to that, that uh-huh. piece. Cause I think it's a really valuable thing that you just said about people coming in and they're afraid and they're afraid of their, their idea being stolen. And I, cause I do address that. Mm-hmm. There is this, I think sometimes a, a, an emerging writer will come in and think I've got a great idea. This idea should be mm-hmm. the thing. And they're focused on the idea as opposed to a career mm-hmm. because an idea is an idea. And, and I guarantee you, if you are pitching me something, I've heard it. I, I can guarantee every single pitch that you are going to bring to me. I have heard. Mm-hmm. So it's not about the idea. And if I said to 15 different writers, write something about, uh, you know, a little bear who goes, who finds a banana in the woods. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> They're going to come back with 15 different, takes on it mm-hmm. and some will be horror stories and some will be you know uh family stories and even the ones that seem like they're similar on this on the surface will be different because every person is different every writer is different right. so being focused on one idea is is completely it's valid if you if that's what you want to do it, you might be more of a feature writer than a tv writer because your idea is immaterial. What you want to, to do is to build a community so that you can sell many ideas. Mm-hmm. And if you only have one idea, you're not going to last long in this town. Right. What you want to do is you want to get to the place where you have enough uh, cred mm-hmm. in where you've worked and who you've worked with and the kinds of things that you material that you're putting out there mm-hmm. so that you are building a career and can sell. Well, you can get back in the room over mm-hmm. and over again. Because they probably won't buy your idea. 
Mm-hmm. But they might buy the next one or the next one or the next one, and they might bring you back for an open writing assignment. They might, you know, whatever. You never know. Mm-hmm. But if you focus on one idea, that's not necessarily going to build you for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And we're remember we're in it for the we're you're in it for forty years, fifty years, yeah, however yeah. long. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully till we all drop dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's how long we're in it. <laughs> so be focused on that and be focused on building your craft right because people will come to you if the if your if your craft is good mm-hmm. not if your idea is good yeah that that's very important honing your craft because I also see a lot of uh, writers who um when uh we give notes um and there's somebody new they're very hesitant to um take the suggestion of reading a book on the craft or taking a class to like build their skills. Like I've had people actually like, <laughs> they, they, they just seem so angry about it and resistant about it. And they go, how oh, dare you kind of thing. Like, I don't need to read a book, <laughs> but right. judge it from the work. You might want to. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, 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 I always love for writers to always want to hone their craft, like no matter what. Exactly. At, and it's fun. I welcome notes. I now, I love notes because mm-hmm. if someone's giving me a note, that means that they're invested in my material. They're invested in me mm-hmm. and, and something is not clear about what I have given them mm-hmm. because if it was, I would ha- not have that note. So I'm always, I don't have to always take it, but, or I can always address it in a different way right. than what they suggest. But I love the notes process because someone has read my material and that's <laughs> my goal. And it's all about me, right? Right, right, right. (laughs) But here's what I would say back to you, though, when you say people are resistant to reading a book. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, I think, works in the same way. And Mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes they do take offense. Mm -hmm. And I think in that case, either they're not ready. Mm -hmm. So it's up to you to take yourself out of the equation and say, you know what? They're going to find it on their own. I'm, I, I, I appreciate and I, you know hope that they do well, but I cannot be a part of this. And you step back. But there are also some amazing people out there who are coaching writers and and I think building communities. And maybe it's offering them the opportunity to, or I should say the suggestion to get into a writer's group so that they can work their material. Because the writer's group is so, so valuable. You need constant feedback and you need those deadlines. You need someone to say, all right, next Tuesday or next Thursday, it's your turn. And then you're going to, it's going to be your turn two Thursdays from now. Mm-hmm. So that then you're hitting those deadlines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's very important. <laughs> exactly. But you have to get in a good one because, you know, right. don't get notes from people who, you know, who also aren't doing the kind of work that you're doing, mm-hmm. who aren't putting in the time. Mm-hmm. True. Very true. <laughs> so now let's get into our kind of people. So yes. when you uh, first got involved with the show and you came into the, as a writer, came in as a writer, did you start as a staff writer or did you start in a higher position? I'm a staff writer. Oh, okay. So I'm at the bottom. I'm at the bottom. <laughs> of the and I love it. I, they, the people in the room don't ever, I don't think I ever have felt like low man on the totem pole, everybody is very open. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I love it because I'm learning from everyone in the room. And so whenever I'm given an assignment, you know, and I check back in and I say, how did I do, you know, and I look at the material that maybe I've turned in and when they, 
edit it or, or change something, I look at that and say, oh, that's how they've done it. And that's how they've, you know, they've rewritten me, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. What, what a great way to learn how to do it better. Mm-hmm. So I have been, it's been, it's like, I say it's like Christmas every day, every day that I go in the room, it's, it's amazing. And where I'm with a bunch of people who love content the same way that I do. Mm-hmm. They love talking about character in the same way that I do. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I found my tribe. In this, oh, great. That in is this amazing. Yeah, yeah, I love the show. I've watched all the episodes so far. Good. It's just amazing to look at because the cast is beautiful. They're talented. The fashion is amazing. I love yeah. seeing the natural hair that is like, rare on television (laughs) and then like the locations like everything beautiful so tell us all about the show well there's there's lots of drama to come um (laughs) and lots of fun and I think if you you've seen those episodes you see that there's usually a big event there's some glitz and glamour there's uh a lot of you know relationship dynamics that are happening that will continue. And then you're right. There's a lot of locations that are, that are um, just sort of very swanky. Mm-hmm. Um, the, if for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's about this woman, Angela Vaughn, who comes to from, from, uh, from Boston into um, Martha's Vineyards, the, the community of Oak Bluffs and Martha's Vineyard, which is where the black elite uh, summer. Mm-hmm. And she comes in realizing that um, she, her mother has left her mother who's just passed away has left her, a, an old boarding house, which she's going to turn into her a retail store for her hair care product. And as she comes into this world and tries to bulldoze her way into this world, she also discovers that she is um, related to one of the wealthiest families on the island. Mm-hmm. And then chaos ensues. It's <laughs> it's fantastic. It's really it's it's wonderful. It's about so many things. It's about. Um, it's, it's about black excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about, uh, race and class. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's just all, a lot of relationship things that are happening as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a fun show to work on. Uh, it's great because we get to, you know, come up with really great, amazing storylines and, um, and my, the showrunner, uh, Karen just is just a phenomenal person. Mm-hmm. And, um, the whole thing is, you know, she leads this thing with such love and care and, and intention. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you'll, everyone will stick with it. Keep going. I would love to hear how people like it, you know, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram and, <laughs> you know, let me know if you love it. Um, Cause it's uh it's a real, it's really fun to work on. Yeah. It reminds me of like a, a, a chocolate dynasty for the new millennium. <laughs> yes, that's great. That should be yeah. our new tagline: chocolate dynasty. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, because one thing that that stood out to me, um, and I don't know if this may be like you know a little controversial or not, but I just love the fact that the all the lead cast members are like chocolate people. <laughs> you know, yes, you don't right. really see that a lot on um, you know network television or anything really. Um, right. You know, you have darker skin, beautiful black people on the screen being showcased. And that, that that's rare. So I right. think that's like a very, um, something, something beautiful to look at. Right. No. Yeah. Well, we come in all different shades and yeah. I think, uh, um, it's been a long time coming, this kind of show, mm-hmm. you know, we've been waiting for this. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. So take us inside the the, the writer's room. Mm-hmm. Well, we start every day at 10 a.m. And uh, gosh, um, a lot of it is making sure that the stories that we have set up, you know, that, that they're ongoing, continuing, and that they're complicated mm-hmm. and uh, monkey wrenches are thrown into situations that, that, that uh, that should be smooth sailing. Nothing there was smooth sailing. <laughs> um, but a lot of it is uh, is throwing some ideas around and seeing where we want to take the characters and batting ideas back and forth. And sometimes it's reworking some of the things that you know we might have uh, started a thread and want to continue a thread. Or um, and so it's like through, you know weaving some things in. But it's a lot of it's just it's bouncing ideas off the wall mm-hmm. every day. Um, and, uh, and so that's basically it, but I've been on set for quite a while. So since probably since July, okay. I've been on set. I went to Martha's Vineyard for a couple of weeks in August, but for the most part, I've been here in Wilmington, North Carolina since July, which has been a lot of fun. So I'm on set. So I have been doing more set work mm-hmm. than writer's room work lately. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I get to watch every day. I get to watch the director's work and, um, I'm there in case anybody has questions about um, lines or, you know, motivations or where they came from. And so I get to work with the crew and it's an amazing group of people. I have so much fun. Sometimes they're late nights, but um, it's all worth it. Okay. So it's great. Yeah. And, and, and I'm in a lovely little Wilmington, which is a beach town. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I go down to Wrightsville Beach on the weekends and, uh, and I have my little chair from the Big Lot store and <laughs> and I just uh, spread out and work out, work from there. So oh, that's it's been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't complain. I really can't. It's not. <laughs> it's not a bad life. <laughs> so you guys are are currently shooting as the show is airing. Yes. Yeah, oh. we're shooting episode eight right now. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, so yeah, we're it's it's happening. It's a moving train, and it's a lot of fun. That's amazing. And and how many episodes will there be? 12. Oh, wow. We have a, we have a full 12. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah. we have quite, quite a ways to go. I think we'll, um, uh, we'll be shooting probably up until, uh, certainly the end of November, I think. Mm. I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. With, uh, games people play, all of our, uh, scripts are written already by the time mm. we shot. Well, for this season, I'm not for sure, but yeah, right. it's like a little different, little different setup. Well, we had six episodes already written before we mm-hmm. went to to uh, pilots or oh. till, till we went to production. Oh. So yeah, we had, we had a little runway. <laughs> so um, tell us, tell me what you're watching. What are you reading? What are you listening to? And how does that okay. influence your your writing? Um, you know, it's funny. I was I up until a little bit ago, I was listening to quite a few Audible originals. I can't tell you what the names of them are because it's it's been a minute. Um, but I love to delve into anything that looks interesting. A lot of them are murder mysteries for some reason. Um, what am I watching right now? Uh, obviously, Ted Lasso, mm-hmm. uh, Schmigadoon, like a lot of the Apple stuff I've really liked. Um, what was I? I was watching something on. Oh, I was watching Dickinson for the first time mm-hmm. today. And I really enjoyed it. I was, I was pleasantly surprised, but for the most part, I think, uh, I just started, um, 
Is it called Midnight Mass? I just started Midnight Mass. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it, but uh, I did watch um, Squid Game. Ah. So I've been watching, I watch quite a few things. Mm -hmm. I like to bounce around a little bit from the comedy to the drama, um, to the sci-fi stuff. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so pretty much, I think I've sampled a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to the Umbrella Academy coming back. I loved that show. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think it's, uh, it just depends. I think I do take a lot of recommendations from friends Mm -hmm. because I don't have as much time as I used to. Mm -hmm. And because I'm working on my own projects, I, I try to dip in and out and at least sample something. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. To, just so that I, and then I also, have, I'm a, a book of the month club person. So, oh, okay. um, <laughs> and unfortunately I have not been home. So there's a stack of book of the month club books mm-hmm. that are in my home that, uh, that I'd like to get to, but, <laughs> but I'm also writing my own book. I'm, I'm writing my own novel. The thing that I, I decided that, um, that I really, I had this idea in my head and I really wanted to, um, to get it out on paper and the, the characters kept talking to me mm-hmm. and I kept going, okay, okay, okay. It's time for me to write this. And it did not feel like a, a movie and it did not feel like a TV show. It mm-hmm. felt like a book, like it needed to be, uh, have more breadth to it, mm-hmm. but then I got into it and it's so, it's like, ugh, I'm at 30,000 words right now. Oh, wow. And it's, uh, and I know that I haven't even scratched the surface of what I'd like to get into, but I did a whole full on outline I did character breakdowns mm-hmm. and then the characters, uh, once I started to write it, decided that they had other plans. So <laughs> I'm going loosely by the outline and then, you know, it's sort of catch, sketch can, but okay. I love the process. It's great. Oh, wow. So what is next for you in terms of other projects for TV and film? Well, let's see, in terms of TV and film, I do have something, um, that, uh, I just got an offer on, um, that we'll see how that goes. I don't know. Development is so, as we started talking about development, hell, right. you just never know. <laughs> you, never um, know. <laughs> you can't count on anything until it's, mm-hmm. you know, until it's in the can. Mm-hmm. So I do have a couple of other projects that I, I pitched this, this, I pitched a bunch of stuff before I got on staff. I pitched a bunch of stuff in February and it, I pitched, it was a terrible, terrible week, but I pitched six things in five days oh, wow. and it was, it was awful. Uh, I think it, the pitches went well. The pitches uh-huh. went well. I think the and 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 that's evidenced by the fact that a lot of things ended up moving forward. So mm. two, three of the things that I pitched back then ha- mm. are are moving forward in some sort of slow glacier like pace, mm. um, which is why I'm like eh, the the idea of writing a piece of material that I have control over, mm-hmm. you know. Um, really fills me with much more excitement at this moment. And I'm looking forward to the holidays because I was like, oh, I'll have like a couple of weeks and I'll just be able to write this novel mm-hmm. and see. And I think actually I'm going to post the progress of the novel online, oh, not the novel itself, but just the process of, of you know, all of the, the, the triumphs and the tragedies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, oh, the tears. Follow. <laughs> the tears and the, and the times I'm pulling my hair out. Uh, and then the little tiny victories I'll get along the way, hopefully. <laughs> so I think it's going to be, um, it's really going to be mostly focused on that mm-hmm. with, then we'll see how these other projects mm-hmm. move forward. Mm-hmm. One of them, one of them's a comedy. Mm-hmm. Actually two are comedy and then one's a, uh, a drama, but it's a very joyful drama. Mm-hmm. And again, about the black experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hopefully showing different ways 
that we exist in this world mm-hmm. that we haven't seen before. Yeah, we definitely need variety on that. Right. Because <laughs> exactly. I always hear a lot of people saying, um, you know, they don't want to see any more Black stories that deal with poverty or drugs or gang violence and things like that. Right. And um, I think we need a variety. We do need a variety. I right. That I haven't seen before. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all done with the torture porn and we're all done with, you know, 12 Years a Slave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like, and and yet, and we we are so many things so Mm -hmm. why not show all those many things right right so yeah Yeah. I'm with you on that (laughs) I mean like if if someone does come out with a story you know about something historic you know dealing with us if it's good I'll look at it but (laughs) but that can be all of it yeah yeah yeah. right like give us a variety give us something we haven't seen yet I think that's why why I love scandal so much Mm. And how to get away with murder because we were diff- we were different. We were seen in a strong, interesting, yeah. multi-layered character format yeah. that and I don't and and we don't really have a whole lot of those again. I'm trying to think of the ones we might have all rise, but I don't really see this scandal. That's my favorite show ever. I know, right? It, it had so it's so brilliant. <laughs> I think she did such a great job too with Bridgerton. That was so much fun. Oh, yeah, that was that was fun too. Yes. But the thing that I came to the conclusion with of Scandal is that after everything, it boiled down to the world was being run by a black man and a black woman. Ah, yes, that's so true. <laughs> if you think about it, <laughs> Daddy Paul and Olivia, they ran the world. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so true. And they were so interesting and flawed, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and strong. Right. Yeah. yeah. Even though they had their their troubles, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you they were so infinitely compelling. Yeah. And that's one of the things I, li- I like about uh, Shonda's stories is that she's not going to give you a loving relationship, like leave it to beaver type loving relationship. She's going to give you a beautiful family dynamic, but it's distorted. Yes. Right. <laughs> That's what I like about her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's going to be fraught with complications for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So your book gives advice to writers of, of getting into the business, but what would you, what advice would you give people who are looking to be development executives? A lot of that same information applies. And I do think I, I walk the line a little bit because I was an executive and a writer and I do flip back and forth in terms of my headspace, mm-hmm. but they're one and the same. They are just different sides of the same coin. Really? Mm-hmm. You, you still, as an executive, you still have to know your history of the written word. You still have to understand how story it, it's incredibly important to you understand story. You have to know, and be a student of film and television and books and just like you are as a writer. So all of the same stuff applies as for an executive, your, your path is just going to be a little bit different. You're going to be, instead of trying to go into production or trying to get in a writer's room, your goal is going to be try to get an assistant position on a desk. Either you go through an agency or you go through a studio or a production company you know, there's the myth out there that you have that people need agency experience. I it drives me bananas when I hear that because the agencies have historically been very racist. Mm. So let's just be clear that 
if 90% of the people who are in their right in their mail rooms are white, then, and they're, they're icing out the people who are of color, Mm -hmm. then saying that you need agency experience is a call for a white assistant. Um, and I, it just, it makes me crazy when I think about that. Mm -hmm. Um, they're also incredibly underpaid. So I say, if you can get in an agency and that's your thing, great, go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's so many other ways to get into the business. You can go through production. You can go through um, uh, a production company. Mm-hmm. You can go through a studio. You can go through a network. There are assistant positions everywhere. Mm-hmm. What What's important is, and there are programs to, to sometimes get you in. You know, um, the PAGE program at NBC, I think, is still running. Um, but the important thing is, is that you are going to get your first job and probably your second, your third, your fourth job through people that you know, it's going to be your network of people. So go to every conference and meet people at the PGA events and the DGA events. And doesn't matter what event you're going to go to anything that's tangentially involved in Hollywood. Right. Those are valuable connections and then keep those connections up and meet more people and be genuinely interested in who they are and don't look at them as, as just your stepping stone to the next thing, because you're going to know all of these people for again, 40, 50, 60 years of your life. So you might as well start your friendships now and don't be a dick and be, uh, uh, you know, gracious and lovely to everybody. You don't have to be in doormat, but you do have to have relationships because that's a hundred percent of what's going to happen. You're going to get every job that you ever have in Hollywood through a hookup from a friend Mm-hmm. even the ones that seem like they're out of the blue when you send your resume into some portal or something and you might get a call it's rare uh sometimes you'll get the job i i've never seen it happen in my <laughs> entire career i've never seen it happen mm-hmm. those things are there because legally they have to offer the job to everyone they have to be open mm-hmm. but they never hire you yeah. they hire the person who is a friend of the person who is hiring or who has been recommended by a friend of that person Um, or is related if you're lucky enough to be related, go through nepotism, but it's, (laughs) it never happens just as a blind call. There's always a connection somewhere. Someone's giving you a layup to a gig. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are some of the things that we talk about in the book. There's also things like, you know, organizations, lists of organizations. It's not comprehensive because that's not the book that I wanted to write. Mm -hmm. I don't give you a list of places because that would just be ridiculous, but there are places to start. You know, if you want to start as a PA, there's Manifest Works, there's Hollywood CPR, there's um, the um, mayor's uh, project in LA, and then there's Made in New York and New York, mm-hmm. um, Intercity Filmmakers, Streetlights. All of those are great ways into the PA process. Mm-hmm. And those are relationships that you can build off of because you're going to be sitting on set with people mm-hmm. who can help you get to the next level. Yeah. Production companies are great because they're small and they are usually really great ways to rise up fast because you really get your hands dirty on projects. Mm -hmm. Studios are amazing because they usually hire a lot of people. There's great, there's a lot of turnover Mm -hmm. and people are getting promoted and then obviously networks. So there are ways to get into this business. Mm -hmm. I think the best advice I would say is even if you're just starting out and you're in, you're in college or you're not in college, I don't care if you're going to college or you're going to go to college, but you're building a relation, a resume Mm-hmm. that shows that you have an interest in entertainment. So when I was in college, uh, I actually might've been in high school. I was um, one of those uh, ushers at the Geffen theater. So mm-hmm. I would have put that on my resume. 
mm-hmm. and then every internship. So you're building a resume that says, I love content and this is what I did in order to show that. Because mm-hmm. that is then, not only does that help show your love of it, but somewhere someone could say, oh, I went to the, I had seen tickets to the Geffen last year. What did you see? And that's a conversation starter. Right. Or if you go to a college that the hiring manager went to, that's a relationship. So all of those things are valuable. And that resume has to tell the story of you and your love of content. Mm-hmm. But I always say, look, if you want to get in this business and you're, you're rabid to do it, you want to be a writer, you want to be a director, whatever it is, if you are committed to it mm-hmm. and you are not actively working against yourself. So by that, I mean, you're not being overly um, aggressive. You're not being belligerent. You're not, you're taking notes. Well, you know, all those things that can ding you as a, as a human being can ding you in Hollywood. But if you are that person who is, is essentially a decent person who's doing good work mm-hmm. and you are making those connections, that's the recipe. You're going to be fine. You will have a, a really, you will have a, a career in entertainment. Mm-hmm. So it's the people who flame out the people who are rude and obnoxious or who don't do the work. They don't turn in their scripts. They don't, or they don't, I, I should say they aren't writing the scripts regularly. They aren't um, making movies, short films on the mm-hmm. regular they aren't building their connections. Mm-hmm. Those are the people who always say, oh, I want to, I want to, but then they never do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to be a little bit of a, a, a content junkie mm-hmm. um, and love it so much. I mean, I love, love, love this so much. It's I would not be able to do anything else. Mm. Yeah. I love it that much that I, like, like I said, I did it for free. I did it. I did two jobs most of the time, you know. Oh so you got to love it and then you'll, you'll be fine. Now, do you think um, it's kind of the same path if someone wants to have their own production company? Cause I see a lot of people that um, they want to, they, you know, they send their scripts in, um, but they still want to be attached to the project all the way through, you know, the process and they have their own, like, you know, small little companies or whatever that, you know, they may have just started, couple days ago or something. (laughs) Do you feel like that's the same path they need to follow as someone who wants to be a development executive or somebody who wants to be a writer? Well, producing is, is a little bit of a funny thing. And I think that's why you see a lot of programs out there for writers and directors, but not a lot for producers there every now and again, there's, there's one at the PGA, Mm -hmm. but um, they're very few and far between. And that's because producing is so amorphous. Mm-hmm. So everybody can say they're a producer. Anybody can say they're a producer. Mm-hmm. If you have um, a reason to be attached to a project, you're a producer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you necessarily bring anything valuable to it. You may or may not. You might just own the IP. You might own the book or the, the rights to something. Mm-hmm. I think that for a producer, you have to either be the person who's getting the money together or you've got the contacts or um, you know, a lot of producers come out of being an executive because they already have those contacts and they already know all the writers. They can they can package things a little bit more easy, easily. Mm-hmm. They have those relationships. If you're coming in off the street, let's just say you're right now you're living uh, in a uh, I don't know in a, in Des Moines. I don't know. I don't yeah. know why. I've never been to Des Moines. You're living <laughs> in Des Moines, and you want to be a producer, Hollywood producer. You have to realize that it is a very expensive game to play. You don't get paid until something sells. 
So when I had my per deal at um, Paramount, mm-hmm. we first had an overall deal. Me and my partner had an overall deal. So everything got paid for. I got a salary. And then uh, every time we sold something, we got an extra check. Mm-hmm. And we had an office. And we had two assistants. And we had um, expense count, health insurance. We had everything. <laughs> and eventually, about midway through the, the deal, after we had our show on the air and it went down, they put us on a housekeeping deal. And a housekeeping deal just meant that we didn't get a salary, but every time we sold something, we'd get the bonus. Mm. That's not a lot. Oh, wow. That's not a lot of money. I think it might have been $10,000 and we split that. And if I brought in the project, I got a little bit more. But if he brought in the project, he got a little bit more. So, and imagine that we only sold 10 things that year, maybe, whatever. Mm-hmm. Not that many. So it was a really tough time. And that's being at a deal at Paramount. So imagine not being at a deal mm-hmm. and you still have to be the person who you have to FedEx something that's coming out of your own pocket. You don't have an assistant. That's person's coming out of your own pocket. Um, there's so many things that that come with being a producer. Mm-hmm. And then let's say you want to, uh, you have a, you have a, you're paying your lawyer to do your deals. That's a that's a price too. Right. And you're trying to get some IP. So you're trying to negotiate. You know, whether with a free option or so whatever you're trying to negotiate. Mm-hmm. It's expensive. And so you have to then float yourself for as long as it's going to take until you get your feet wet, mm-hmm. which is why I think a better idea would be if you want to be a producer, go work for a production company, mm-hmm. go learn, go build those relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a way then get that credibility. And eventually a producer production company will give you a credit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I have friends who work for production companies and everything that they sell, they get their own credit mm-hmm. and that builds up their their portfolio and their resume mm-hmm. that's a great way to do it otherwise you will if you're li- living in des moines <laughs> you're going to have to come up with some really great ip that's going to entice a writer to come on board of your right. with your project yes okay well great advice <laughs> hopefully so, <laughs> so where can the people find you online i'm at kellyedwards.co I think hold on let me just check I'm on Twitter I'm on Facebook I'm on um, Instagram Mm -hmm. and I have my own website which has links to everything that's probably the easiest way so yeah my website is kellyedwards.co so it's k-e-l-l-y-e-d-w-a-r-d-s.co almost everywhere I'm on I'm either kellyedwards.co or underscore co so just look for one of those okay and uh and it would be, and I'm a LinkedIn too. I I think LinkedIn is. I check my LinkedIn and my on the regular. And these days, I'm checking my Twitter. These days, mm-hmm. I let me just say this. This is oh, interesting. So earlier this year, I I was terrible at social. I <laughs> literally I was the worst person in social. And uh, I got this. There's this wonderful young woman named Jennifer Rodriguez who's been who's helping me. And she's like, I can help you. She was she'd been reading for me. She'd been my assistant. Uh, I had two assistants, so I have her and I have Lily and, uh, and, uh, so Jennifer's like, I can do your social for you. And I was like, okay, but I'm terrible at it. She goes, no, no problem. And I, I had on Twitter, I had 34 followers. Mm. I want to say 34. I think it might be 43 at the moment, but it was like, it was a terrible, and I'd had the same number. It hadn't Mm -hmm. moved. 
mm-hmm. for the decade that I had this Twitter account. Well, she goes in and she, she builds me a new Twitter account, a more professional one, the one that's, you know, where I'm not trolling Marco Rubio. Um, <laughs> and she's, and she, and she, it's now got 800 followers. And I was like, Oh wow. And it's just, it was consistency. She's like, we're going to work on this together. And I actually find that how much I liked it and enjoy it, enjoy um, connecting with people, people I don't know. So, you know, I, we usually try to, um, she, she nudges me if I haven't responded to people, but you know, people who you know, said questions or whatever, it's really, really been a lot of fun. And I do find that there are people out there. I mean, there's so much talent out there mm-hmm. and people are really, um, just a couple steps away from, from getting in and being successful. You know, I do say, if you stay the course, just stay the course. Cause you will, right. you will. I, my parents were, were dentists. I don't, I did not have any <laughs> real connective tissue. And yet the only person that I really knew who was in the business was my friend, Mark Kaplan, who was assisting Dolores Robinson the summer that I was coming out of college Oh wow! And Dolores needed an, an assistant for a month, and Mark was leaving the job, and there was another woman coming in a month later, and that was my first hookup. And from there, oh. it's been history. Every single time, it's been a, a hookup from a friend. So I was in the right place, the right time, the right friend. Mm-hmm. So anybody can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah, just stay the course. Yeah, that's right. Stay a the lot course. of people come in and they're like, "I'm gonna give myself one year to make it." And I'm like. Mm. No, I want to give yourself a little more time than one year. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. If you think about it as the long haul mm-hmm. and you really think about it as building a career over 40 years, mm-hmm. then one year would never make it. Yeah. You know, you're, you gotta just, and you can do any other side gig. Every, mm-hmm. every, you know, everybody should have a side hustle. Mm-hmm. So you should have that side hustle and that dream because eventually those things are going to flip and your side hustle is going to become your dream. Your dream is going to be your side hustle. Okay. And one last question. So uh, for your company, do you take outside projects or do you only develop your own? Uh, I don't take outside projects. Number one, I just don't have the time because I am on a show. Mm -hmm. And when I'm not on a show, I'm writing my book. So I kind of, and I even slowed down because, you know, as I said before, doing six projects in five days, that's Mm -hmm. too much. It's just too much, even headspace. Mm-hmm. And I really am best when I'm only working on two to three projects at a time, but not multiples. Mm-hmm. I think if I was just producing, mm-hmm. I would absolutely have more projects. When I was working with Jonathan Axelrod, we had multiple projects. We had a slate of, you know, 20 things going at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a writer, I only have so much bandwidth. Right. And being a writer on a show and on set, Mm-hmm. And then trying to do my novel mm-hmm. takes every every ounce of me. Um, so I don't know that I would at this point. I think if I ended up, let's just say I had a I had an overall deal and I had more and I could hire somebody who could do my development, mm-hmm. I would certainly take on other projects. But you know, the girl's just getting started, so <laughs> not not yet. <laughs> I, it's my it's my goal. It's it'll be a dream. So check in with me in like five years and let's see where we are. 
<laughs> Will do. Well, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful time talking with you. And I'm sure the listeners will get a wealth of information just from the interview alone. But you guys go out there and get her book because I'm sure it's chock full of even more interesting things. <laughs> Good. Well, I thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. You're a wonderful interviewer. Oh, and yeah, I think, I think too, if people buy the book and they do have other questions, mm-hmm. you know, hit me up on the social. I, I will answer back. So um, I, I definitely think, like I said, the, the goal is to open the doors. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we did at HBO. That's what we did at, I did at, uh, at NBC Universal. Mm-hmm. We need more people, not less. Please be courageous. And, and if this is something that you love, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. come to the party. You know, we're with you for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely come to the party. <laughs> right. All right. Thanks well, so thank much. You so much. <laughs> All right. Thanks for taking the time to tune in to the Wordy Girl Entertainment Podcast. Don't forget to check out my blog at www.wordygirlent.com. That's W-O-R-D-Y-G-I-R-L-E-N-T.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at at WordyGirlENT and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash WordyGirlENT. And always remember, it all begins with a single word. So what are you waiting for? Go write. Go write.